In this episode of the series entitled, The Goat, which means the greatest of all time, Pastor John Mark Caton talks about trials and temptations referenced in James 1, 2-4. John Mark answers five questions we may have while dealing with trials or temptations. Number one, did I cause this problem? Number two, am I responding in the flesh or the spirit? Number three, am I thankful for what is going right in my life? Number four, can I inject some humor into my situation? Number five, am I reacting in love? Now let's hear how to deal with life's problems the Bible way from John Mark. Guys, good seeing you. I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word. Uh, and as we begin a new year, uh, hopefully, how many of you have texted the word PLAN uh, to 77978? Uh, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to do that because uh, we started, I think there's now over 3,180 people that are on PLAN. We're all reading the same thing together, and uh, that is a great thing. And so um, yesterday we began uh, our plan and we began reading James chapter 1. And I was working out yesterday when I got the text, uh, read through it, actually had my headphones on, so I was able to click through on the link and just listen to it while I worked out, then read it later. Uh, and that kind of spawned what I want to talk to you all today about. Uh, and, you know, the truth is when we roll through life, and, and your life is in fact like my life a lot, uh, we all fear the big thing, right? Uh, we, we fear getting fired or losing our job or getting laid off or going through a divorce uh, or dying or cancer. We fear the big things. Uh, but the truth is, and we should, rightly so, but the truth is most of the things that happen to us in life are little things. They're little things that uh, get under our skin. They're little things that cause us to be angry at other people. They're little things uh, that build up over time that really destroy our attitude. Certainly, again, we, we worry about the big things, but a lot of times it's the little things that add up that oftentimes cause the big things, right? Uh, if, if you know that your cholesterol is, uh, is not where it needs to be as a young man, uh, Typically, it's that cheeseburger, and then another one, and then a donut, and then this, that ultimately causes you to get to a place where you have heart problems, right? It's not the big thing, it's the little thing. Now, the big thing shows up, but why did the big thing show up? Because of all the little things, right? And so, as we think through today, I want you to know that there are probably some little things in your life, just like there are some little things in my life, that if we don't learn to deal with them well, if we don't learn to deal with them well, they will in fact become or cause the big things in our life. And um, I read an article one time where a guy was just saying, listen, life isn't made up of one big thing after another. Usually it's 15 little things that lead to one big thing. And then it's another 15 little things that lead to big things. And that brings me to uh, what prompted this whole thought today in this discussion, which was James chapter 1 that we read yesterday, uh, going through the plan. Look at James chapter 1 and pick it up reading in uh, verse 2. He says, consider, this is James, the brother of Jesus, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And, and he's talking about little things, not big things. He's not talking about dying because that would be singular. 
when you face the big trial. Uh, he says, when you face trials, when you face hardships of many kinds. Why? Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith ultimately produces perseverance. See, it's the little things that add up over time. If you're trying to get stronger in the weight room, it's being consistent in the weight room. It's being there over and over and over and over. It's lifting the little things or doing this or doing that. If you want to get in better shape. Uh, in 2022 than you were in 2021. It's not one big thing. It's the little things. What do I eat or not eat today? How do I choose to exercise? It's the little things that add up. And he says, because we know that those small things, those testing things, those little things uh, of your faith produce perseverance. Look at verse 4. And here's what we want to do. We want to let perseverance finish its work so that we would become what? Mature. I love that word. Mature, and there is nothing worse than a grown man who is still immature. I'm going to say that again. There is nothing more than a grown man who is still immature. Do you understand what I'm talking about? We, we joked about it a couple of weeks ago with a, a recent professional football player that just had an implosion again, right? And you're sitting there going, really? you got a whole team that needs you to play, and you decide you're going to walk off. Now, they're always, uh, there's both sides to every story, right? But we see that happening all the time. My, my guess is you grew up with people like that, uh, that you played sports with. You're like, we are better when they are on the field with us, right? But how often do they self-destruct and hurt themselves and the team? And so I want us to understand, he says, listen, let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'll submit to you that the acid test of Christianity is not how you handle the big things, it's how you handle the little things. The acid test of manhood is not how you handle the big things, it's how you handle the little things. It's what you say in a situation that you shouldn't have said. It's how you respond in a little situation that you shouldn't have responded. It's how you respond to your wife or you respond to your kids about those little things. And I will tell you, a weakness in my life, I'm pretty good at being mature for a long, long time and handling big things pretty well. It's those little things that just get under my skin. Am I the only guy in the room? It's those little things. Man, give me about five of them today. And God helped the sixth person, right? Do we understand what I said? Hey, none of them are too big, but God helped that sixth person. The problem for us is if we journey off to the office today, the first five people might people we work with, the sixth person might be the lady we love. Do we understand? And we handle that wrong. Or it's our son, or it's our daughter, or it ends up being our neighbor, or it ends up being our dog, right? God helped the sixth one. And so life isn't one monster thing or big trial or big trouble after another. It's, it's, a, it's a bunch of little things. And the way we handle those little things in life, I will tell you, I believe that's more of an acid test, test of how mature we are in our faith than how we ultimately handle those big things in life. As I was just making a list uh, yesterday of things that really get to us, those little things in life, people right? How many of you have a, a person or two that is just a trial for you in your life? They are a testing time in your life. If you're sitting next to them, do not point at them, all right? 
Uh, but, but I've also noticed in my life, when it comes to people, when I say consider all these trials, these difficulties, these hardships, here, here's what I have noticed a lot of times. The person who is my trial is the only one in my life who does not know they are my trial. Do you understand? And I'm like, do they not get it, right? So a lot of times it's people. It's, it's people that just come in, they say something they shouldn't have said. You just, you, your, your personalities don't connect. They don't mesh. They don't get it together. Sometimes it's, it's people, man. They're just people I just struggle with. Uh, a lot of times it's just things. It's inconveniences. Here's what I've noticed over the years. Uh, I never walk out to my vehicle and have a flat tire when I have nothing to do that day. Anybody ever done that? You walk out, and, and what is your first thought? Not today, right? This is a horrible day. I have never walked out to a flat tire, whether it's at the church or at the office or at a hospital or wherever I am, uh, where, where, you know, whatever, wherever I am. I've never walked out to a flat tire and thought, this is a great day for a flat tire. I've got nothing to do with the next hour in my life, and I've got extra cash to buy a new tire. I've, it's never happened. So there are people in your life that are the little things that build up that, that can determine how I respond. There are things, there are inconveniences in our life. I, I also thought there, sometimes it's pain. The, there might be some in here that uh, you have some very real physical pain, that it's, it's just a nagging thing that you live with every day. Uh, I've known some guys and know some guys in our church that they just have lower back pain. They struggle with things in their life or they, they've got real pain in their life and, and it, it just nags them. It's not going to kill them. It just nags them. It just hurts them. They drag it around. Sometimes it's not a physical pain. Sometimes it's a relational pain. That, that, man, someone has been through something in their life. Maybe they walked through a divorce and the person they loved let them and they carry that pain with them into every conversation and every relationship. Maybe, maybe it's uh, not just a physical pain or, or a relational pain. Maybe it's an emotional pain. Something happened a long time ago. That they just carry this pain and, and, and you all of a sudden scratch the scab just a bit and they will blow up on you. And you're like, man, what did I just step into? And guys, I want you to know the acid test of our faith oftentimes isn't how we handle the big stuff in our lives. It's how we handle those little things that come day by day. And that's what others see in our life. So the challenge for us today is to be what God wants us to be. And I think there are three ways that we typically respond that are not biblical ways to respond. I think sometimes when we have those ongoing nagging problems, we get those trials in our life, I think a lot of times, and sometimes it's just some people's nature, is we have a tendency to blow up. We overreact. Man, I got a small problem, I respond in this way. I begin to scream, I begin to yell. And the problem is, if I have a tendency to over and over again blow up when small things come my way, that I miss those teaching opportunities, I miss those conversational opportunities, and, and the result is I hurt others. That, we saw that on the football field a couple of weeks ago, right? That you just blow up. Instead of figuring out a better way to handle it, you blow up. A lot of times we do that. That, that if we don't handle things right, we have a tendency to blow up, and the problem is you hurt others. I think there's another way we respond. Sometimes we just shut down. 
Uh, some people are just built in such a way that, uh, man, they don't blow up. They don't overreact. They don't hurt other people. But when troubles come their way, they just shut it down. Emotionally, relationally, they just shut down. And what happens when we shut down is we create emotional distance or relational distance uh, between us and our kids or us and our spouse or us and our boss or us and this and that. And if we aren't careful, we may, we may say, well, I would never blow up. That's not my nature. But do you shut down? Do you shut down and create space between you and those you love? I think there's a third way that uh, sometimes we deal with it is we don't shut down on others, I think sometimes we just stuff it. Man, we just, we just stuff it. And the first two th ways we respond hurts others, and this third way we respond hurts ourselves. Blow it up, it hurts others. Shutting down, it creates space. Someone needs to have a conversation. Your wife has, needs to have a conversation. Kids want to... Man, you, you just shut down, you create create space but if you stuff it you hurt yourself and so as we think about how do we handle these trials in our life if we think of this that life is not made up of one big event after another it's 15 little trials that test our muster that test whether we truly are mature in our emotions and our reactions and in our lives and so you say, well, how should I respond? Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Here's what the Apostle Paul told the, told the Philippian believers. He says, man, whatever you do, guys, whatever you do, men, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that, there's always a so that. In Greek, that's called a henna clause, okay? Uh, you don't have to know that to get into heaven, all right? Peter's not going to say, what's a henna clause? It, it means that if there is a statement, here is the resulting action. He says, do not do anything or do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you would become blameless and pure. So as I journey through life and one little thing comes after another little thing comes after another little thing, what I want to do is I want to handle those things without grumbling, complaining, and arguing as best I can so that, what? So that... I might become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. He says part of us becoming, as James the brother of Jesus said, mature men is learning how to handle life's little situations, life's little irritations, life's little hardships in life, life's little annoyances. Those people that become problem, those inconveniences that cost me time, those failures in life that, man, how I respond, others are looking. Are you a believer? Didn't they say they were a Christian? Weren't they just talking about going to church? Didn't they invite me to this men's event the other day and look at them over there? They have just lost their cool. I love what Paul says. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you would become blameless and pure, that people would look at you as, man, a person that handles trials and life's difficulties well, so that you would what? You would be without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And notice the then. Then you will shine among them. 
the crooked generation, like stars in the sky. A man who loves Christ, who loves God, who can control his temper, who can control his emotions. I'm not talking about being stoic, guys. You know, the Stoics withdrew from life's problems. They just kind of ignored it and moved on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a guy that when a problem comes their way, they look to solve that problem in a godly way. They look to fix it. I'm not talking about a guy that turns and walks away because they blew up and got mad, and they're like, man, I'm going to walk away because I don't want to say this to you. or the... No, a guy that can settle down in a mature fashion and, and fix the problem, can solve the problem, can handle life's difficulties, can decide an opportunity for a flat tire is a great opportunity to teach your daughter to change a flat tire, right? In a right way without screaming at her, all right? Or for your wife, that you would, clean, you would change that tire for her, guys. It's too late. Don't try, to change, don't try to teach her anymore, right? And that's when we become like stars in a corrupt generation that people look at us and go, there is something different about him. There is something different about him. Man, and, and the imagery that Paul is using is crystal clear for us that when you walk out, if you've ever gone out there and we built a little fire pit on the side of our house, we didn't build it, we went by uh, Bucky's and bought one. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And some nights we will go out there and there'll be clouds in the skies. Other nights we'll just start that fire and we'll look up and it'll be crystal clear. And you'll start looking at the stars. The imagery is clear, guys. Paul is saying if you and I will learn, and James, the brother of Jesus, is saying if you and I will learn to deal with and respond correctly to life's challenges and hardships, if we don't blow up, and hurt others, man, if, if we don't stuff it and push others away, if we don't shut down, but we engage with life, and we can show others how to deal with problems correctly, man, that's when we become that shining star, star on a crystal clear night to others who are around us. And so my thought is, man, how do we become that guy? Well, first of all, we have to learn to right-size our problems. What does that mean? That when I face a problem, I need to pretty quickly say, is this big or is this small? Is, is this a game changer or is this just a time waster? There's a difference, right? There's a difference in approaching a trial and a hardship that is a time waster. A flat tire, time waster, right, guys? Uh, Someone that shows up, walks into your office at the wrong time, time waster. There are certain things that are game changers. And the first thing that you and I need to do is step back and say, is this a time waster or a game changer? And I'm going to respond to those two differently. And why am I going to do that? Because that's what a mature man will do. A mature man will not use the same response on a time waster as they do on a game changer. A mature man will not put the same amount of passion and energy into a time waster that they will in a game changer. 
a mature man will step back, analyze the situation, and say, all right, let me right-size this problem. A flat tire is a little thing. Cancer's a big thing, right? Uh, an argument is a little thing, or a disagreement is a little thing. Threatening divorce is a big thing. We better step back on all of our problems and right-size them. Is this a time waster? Is this a game changer? And then I want to measure my response to the problem that I have. Now, I will tell you this. A lot of times, based on our emotions and our personalities, we make everything a big thing. But most of them are little things. I'm going to say that again. Most of the time, we make everything a big thing in a moment where very rarely are they actually big things. And so what we need to do is, that's one of the reasons we read Scripture together, is I'm walking through life with an attitude and a heartbeat of, God, when you bring trials my way, what did James, the brother of Jesus, say? Part of the reason trials are given to us is to expose our immaturity, or increase our maturity to expose our immaturity or increase our maturity. If we still, after all of these years, blow up at the smallest thing, how many of you know it's not the smallest thing's problem? I'll say that again. If after all of these years, if we still blow up at the smallest thing, it's not the smallest thing's problem. It's my problem. And so James, the brother of Jesus, says, guys, listen, part of the reason God allows these 15 little trials come in our life because they're little training ground, little training ground, little training ground. Why? Trying to grow us up into maturity. Why? So as Apostle Paul says, so that we can do everything without arguing and grumbling. Why? The purpose is that we would become mature and be like shining stars in the midst of a corrupt generation. And so I thought today what I would do is I would give you an idea of how can I truly right-size my problem. Well, let's, let, let me just go, go to a chapter earlier in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Here's one of the best ways you can right-size all your problems is you've got to know who you are in God. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, a chapter before he said, do not grumble. He says, be confident in this. Guys, be confident in this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So when we leave these doors here in a few minutes, one of the best ways you can right-size all of your problems is understand this, be confident in this, that God who began a good work in you in salvation is going to carry it on to completion. If, if when you walk out those doors, do you truly understand that God is going to do a work in your life to mature you and complete you, and God is not going to fail? God is not going to fail. And so when I walk out of here with that understanding in my life, regardless of the 15 or the 10 or the 30 little things that happen in your life today, God is going to use every one of those to make you mature and ultimately complete you if we will follow Him. I, I love this idea that when I leave here today, what happens me, to me today, I want to say this again, what happens to me today and what happens to you today, nothing will thwart 
God's plan in your life, do we truly understand that? Nothing. Nothing. If what you currently have planned today ends up not being on the plan, God's still got a plan. Do we understand that? God's still going to carry out His will. And so a lot of times what we do is we get all stressed up and stressed out and blow up over things that 24 hours from then won't matter. But ultimately, you matter to God and I matter to God. I ran across a little article. It's kind of an older article from a cardiologist talking about one of the worst things that men can do is walk around being stressed out over time, all the time over little things in their life. And this was, it sounded like straight out of the Bible. Sounds like the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4. Here's what this cardiologist said. If you're a man that walks around under stress all the time, he said these three things. Longer article, you can pull it up. He says, first of all, he, and this is a cardiologist. He's dealing with heart patients, right? And man, he says, stress is a killer. It drives your blood pressure. It hurts your heart, hurts your emotions, throws adrenaline in your body uh, all the time. And you don't need that all the time, especially if it's the 15 small things in your life. He said this. He's, he says, I tell all my clients this. He says, don't sweat the small stuff. Now, this is a cardiologist, so he's not talking in cardiologist terms. We're all going to get it. That's why I pulled it out. He says, don't sweat the small stuff. Treat everything as small stuff. If you can't fight it, run from it. If you can't run from it, just go with it. Just go with it. And, and what was his point? As a cardiologist, he was saying, man, it is not good for us to blow up over all the little things in our life. And he was essentially saying, he says, that's part of being emotionally mature. You go read the article. He says, man, uh, part of what hurts a man's heart, he's talking about physiologically, he's not talking about spiritually, is that we, were, we are still grown men who are immature emotionally. That's a cardiologist. You know, you look all the way back into God's Word, that's been the problem since day one, hasn't it? Is that we have too many men in men bodies who emotionally and in our reactions and our thoughts, we're acting like kids. We're acting like kids. So I thought today I would give you five questions, all right? Uh, five questions as you journey from here um, are five thoughts from God's Word on how you and I can better handle the problems in our life. How we can better handle the problems in our life. Going back to the idea where, where James, the brother of Jesus, said, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials, because the trials hopefully will grow us up into maturity and ultimately make us mature and complete. And so here are kind of the purpose of our problems. Here are five thoughts. One, when I encounter a problem, be honest and ask yourself, did I cause it? Did I cause it? How many of you know the greatest source of all of your problems put on your pants today? How many of you know? Yeah, right? He, a mature man, God's Word says a mature man will first and foremost ask themselves in the middle of a problem, did I cause this problem? How many of you have ever run out of gas? How many of you have ever run out? Be honest. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right. How many of you ran out of great gas because you did not put gas in the vehicle? You caused the problem, right? You caused the problem. And a lot of times in our lives, we cause the problem. And so the most mature thing we can do in any situation is ask ourselves, did 
I cause the problem. Look at what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man sows what uh, reaps what he sows. What is he saying? A lot of times, when we reap a problem, it's because we sowed the problem. And so, guys, as you journey out of here today, whatever it is in your life, in your situation, uh, man, ask yourself, did I cause the problem? That is the most mature thing you can say. Instead of blaming somebody else, pointing the fingers, blowing up, stuffing it, creating space, shutting down, man, say, did I cause this problem? And that is a mature thing. And so Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And then what he says in verse 8, whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever notice sows cause the problem. And whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He says, then let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So what is Paul saying? He says, listen, if you're reaping a lot of problems because you're sowing a lot of problems, that means we need to be honest and mature and say, did I cause this problem? Yes, I caused the problem. So instead of me sowing more things that are going to lead to problems in my life, what does he say? Let's sow to the Spirit so I can reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, guys, part of the problem is we have to understand that if I start sowing good seed today, how many of us understand that some of the bad seed I sowed in 2021 is still going to produce fruit in 2022? And then when that fruit shows up, i got to own it and say, listen, I'm sorry that I said that back then. I'm sorry I responded that way. I'm sorry I acted that way. But I'm constantly sowing good fruit and good seed knowing that the harvest will come in the future. So thought number one, if I'm truly going to let trials mature me, ask myself, first of all, did I cause the problem? Here's number two, as we think about it. Am I responding to this problem in the spirit or in the flesh? Am I responding to this problem in the spirit or in the flesh? Typically, if we are blowing up, if we're cussing, if we're throwing things, if we're walking out of a room, if we're slamming doors... We're responding in the flesh, and we're not ultimately responding in the Spirit. So ask yourself the question, after you say, did I cause this problem, then ask, how am I responding? Am I responding in a God-honoring way, or am I responding in a fleshly way? And how I respond will grow my character in one direction or the other. How I respond, whether it's in the flesh or the Spirit, will grow my character in one way or the other. I love what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Here's a little warning. Part of the reason why God allows you to experience trials in your life is, he, is because He wants us to mature. Because He wants us to learn something. Because He wants us oftentimes to learn something about ourselves. Here's the warning. God would prefer to teach you and mature you with little trials. But if you don't learn the lesson, here's the warning. Be warned 
God will allow a bigger trial and a bigger trial and a bigger trial to come your way. What's the best thing we can do? Learn early on the small trial. Do we understand that? Because we serve a God who spoke the world into existence. How many of us understand that? God can allow me to experience a big enough trial to bring me to my knees. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? When I've gotten on my knees because I've got no other place to go, I don't like being there. It's a great place to learn because you're begging God to help you get back up. So I want to encourage you guys. Man, when we walk out here today, when a little trial comes your way, learn the lesson in the little. Because God will allow a bigger one to come your way. And then ask yourself, did I respond to that situation in the spirit or the flesh? So thought number one, did I cause it? Thought number two, when I responded, did I respond in the spirit? Or did I respond in the flesh? Did I respond in love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control? Because against such things there is no law. Here's number three. Ready? When I encounter a trial today, a difficulty today, am I thankful for what I do have? This is a question of my attitude. Am I, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a difficulty, still thankful for those things that I do have? You know, I have found a lot of times in my life, if I encounter a trial, everything in my life can go, be going well. But all of a sudden, I am so angry, so mad at that one little thing that it's not going my way that I forget how thankful I should be that part of the reason this is a trial is because the other 99% things in my life are going well. Do we understand that? Man, am I thankful for what I do have? Part of the reason I think God allows trials to come in our life is to say, just be grateful for the other 99 things I've already given you, right? Man, so when something shows up in your life that's not the way it needs to be, I want to encourage you, let it remind you of all the other things that are right in your life. The job that you have, the relationships that you have, the other three good tires, right? Man, so if we don't live thankful and grateful for all the good stuff God has given us, God will allow, all right, if, you, if you're not grateful for all the things I do give you, hey, try that on for size. Try that on for size. We want to learn to be thankful in everything that we do. Let me, let me give you a, a hard, it may not seem like a hard verse in the Bible, but let me give you one of the hardest verses in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. The Apostle Paul told the Thessalonian believers, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you want to live God's will today? All right. Here's a very clear idea. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's the good things, the bad things. That includes your trial. Now, praise God, Paul didn't say give thanks for your trials. That's not what Paul says right there, right? He says give thanks in, not for... There are things in my life, how many of you right now, be honest, there are things in your life you are not thankful for? 
There are things in my life I'm not thankful for. It might be a relationship struggle that you have. It might be a job that you hate. It might be a car that doesn't always start. It might be. There are certain things we don't have to be thankful for. However, I can still be thankful in, and not only can I be thankful in my circumstances, I am commanded by God as part of His will for my life as a man who is maturing is that I would learn to be thankful in all circumstances. How many of you would admit that's a pretty hard verse? That in everything I'm going through, I'm going to be thankful. But I will tell you, it would be way easier to be thankful in our struggles and trials and difficulties if we live grateful and thankful for all the good things that are going on in my life. So guys, as we hit this door in a few minutes, my prayer is as that sun comes up, you would start driving down the road and listening in your mind those things you are thankful for. God, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Man, just think back. I guarantee you every day as a pastor, I look back. God, thank you for allowing me because of your grace and your love to be a pastor today. To be a pastor today. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my health. Thank you for another day. Thank you for another sunrise. Thank you for this. Thank you for a church. Man, we have to learn to live thankful lives. Am I thankful for what I do? This question of attitude. Man, am I grateful? Am I thankful? Here's number four. This is one I really like. Can I spot the humor in every situation? You know, I, I've noticed over the years that firemen are some of the funniest guys I've ever met. How many of you know? First of all, because they, they spend 24 hours together joking around. Firemen are some of the funniest guys I know. I'm looking at one right back there. Why? Because if you, if, if you notice, if you notice, I didn't say their jokes were funny. They're just funny, right? Why? Because one of the ways they have to deal with the situations that they deal with they have to use humor, right? They have to use humor. You get called out to the scene of an accident, sometimes it turns out to be nothing that you gotta learn to laugh about because it was nothing. Sometimes it's not nothing. And one of the best things we can deal, do is to learn to deal and see some humor in everything. I ran across a statement yesterday as I was preparing for this. It said, humor in life is a great shock absorber of our troubles. Humor in life is a great shock absorber of our troubles. And as I just heard that phrase, here's what I've noticed in my life. When I stop laughing, I don't enjoy life as much. When I stop laughing, and let me tell you what, a lot of that is laughing at me, right? See, when I stop laughing at myself and how goofy I am and the mistakes that I make, you know, every, every week, one of the things I do after I preach a sermon is I'll sit on Sunday night and I will review my sermon once they post it on, uh, on YouTube. After 26 and a half years, I still cannot string certain words together. Have y'all noticed that just a little bit? After 30 some odd years of being married to an English teacher, she will still listen to me and say, that's supposed to be me, not I. And you would think I learn it. 
And she brings it. And, and let me tell you what, I can either take those as stinging or I can chuckle and laugh. And, and she would say, that's supposed to be, then I'll look at her and go, all right, then me leaving, right? Amen. <laughs> hey you've got to learn to laugh. Laughter and humor is a great shock absorber in life. Man, there is a total difference between walking out to a flat tire in life, small inconvenience, and kicking it and cussing and throwing things around and jerking, you know, this out, or walking up and saying, great! Couldn't happen at a worse time. Worse time. See, worser, right? <laughs> Couldn't happen at a worser time. Guys, can you find the humor in small things? I will promise you, if you stop laughing with your friends and at yourself you will be a bitter pill to live with right and you say where do you see that look at it proverbs chapter 17 verse 22 wisest man who ever uh, walked the face of the earth he said a cheerful heart is good medicine but a cr crushed or bitter spirit dries up the bones as i was, as I was looking yesterday i ran across abraham lincoln can you imagine being Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War? Can you imagine what he went through? Not knowing, knowing you were doing the right thing, but not knowing whether you're going to win the war early on in the war, man, it, it didn't look good. And you're the, you're the president that took us to the war, war, right? I came across this article. He was talking to his advisors one time early on in the war. And he's talking to his advisors. He said, gentlemen, why do you not laugh more? with the fearful strain that is upon me day and night, if I did not laugh, I would die. You can almost see yourself being in that room. I mean, you've, you've seen the pictures of, of Lincoln, right? <laughs> uh, he, he looks like a man that carried a little strain. He says, if I didn't laugh, I'm going to die. Guys, we just quote Lincoln to you. You leave here today, if you don't laugh, you're going to die. And if you don't laugh, the people around you are going to die. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about relationally. Does that make sense? Man, if you're the boss in the office, if you never laugh with those people around you, they're, they're going to be miserable. So add a little joy to your life. I love what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. He said, rejoice always. Here's number five. You ready? Ask yourself, am I responding in love? When I have one of those 15 little things that show up my way today, ask yourself, am I responding in love? Love is self-giving and not self-serving. Love is giving of self, not worrying about self. I ran across this quote by someone else. If you're filled with love, nothing can irritate you. If you don't, if you aren't filled with love, everything will irritate you. Did you get that? If you're filled with love, nothing will irritate you. If you aren't filled with love, everything's going to irritate you. And here's your passage. Just leave out here. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast, and it is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs that are suffered. So we walk out of here today giving everybody a clean slate. Not being self-seeking, but self-giving. Asking, 
Am I willing to live today as a man of God who is mature in loving others? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, we do acknowledge and realize that you allow trials to come in our life to mature us and to grow us. God, let us learn the lessons well. As we leave here today, God, let us move in such a way that we understand that most things that we're going to encounter today that are going to frustrate us today, that we can blow up at or that we can, uh, that, that, that we can shut down about or be angry about, most of those are little things. They're not going to destroy our lives, but they can destroy our characters. Let us leave here today asking ourselves those five questions about each struggle we face and let us become mature and complete in Christ so that we would be a shining star of your grace and your love in our families, in our church, in our community, and at the office. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen. and amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.